and on this day that the Lord has made. Let us give God praise and thanks for this time of gathering, this time of breaking of the bread, the word of God. And I ask now that the Lord might speak to each of us in mind, in body, and in heart, that we might experience God anew, and that the Holy Spirit may saturate so that when we leave, we feel as though we heard, felt, and now can embody the word. And all of God's people said, Amen. This morning I would like to touch upon our gospel reading um, from the book of Matthew chapter 16 and do so under the topic, Are We Missing Something? Jesus asks, some very exploratory and poignant questions in our gospel text today. He asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? He then asked them, but who do you say that I am? So I ask us all, are we missing something? The conversation that Jesus has with his disciples in today's gospel reading follows earlier verses in the same chapter where Jesus gives his disciples a warning about the teachings of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. In verses 8 through 11 of this same chapter, Jesus tells his disciples to beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. For he tells them that they should beware of the teachings of these religious scholars and leaders of the day because the teachings are wrong. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were the learned religious folk and leaders in that period of history. They were two major religious groups. In some ways, two major religious parties. The Pharisees were more religiously minded and the Sadducees were more politically minded. They were like opposing parties on separate sides of an aisle who amongst themselves created quite a bit of chatter, disruption, and in conversation with Jesus and those who followed after him, quite a bit of division in public spaces. The Pharisees were often described as being obsessed with obeying their legal interpretations instead of God's message of mercy and grace. They were more concerned with appearing to be holy and pious and good rather than obeying God. The Sadducees often relied upon their logic rather than their faith. They were often willing to compromise their values for political gain and influential social positions. So they stood up as experts in religious law and related matters, but did not actually connect to the teachings of Jesus and the understanding of all that Jesus came on mission to do. So Jesus warned his disciples and those in earshot of the wrong teachings of these two groups. Don't allow them to lead you astray, I hear Jesus saying. Don't allow them to pull you away from the meaning and the values and the mission of the teachings that I'm sharing or the very presence of Jesus and the kingdom of God. 
It's interesting to note that of the Sadducees and the Pharisees, of all their learning and all their practicing of religious rituals, they were still wrong. The text then transitions into the conversation that's depicted in our gospel reading today, where Jesus enters into an exploratory teaching moment with his disciples. Um, and some in those in strategy circles may say, maybe this was a pause for an assessment, an inflection point. And he says to his disciples, in the setting of Caesar of Philippi, which was located several miles north of the Sea of Galilee, in an area rife with pagan temples, idols, false images of God, false statements of who God was, in an area rife with perhaps scandal and intrigue, political divisiveness and power plays, great content for their reality TV shows of the day. In that context and moment, in this place, Jesus pauses to ask his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? We know and we heard the reading, they go on to say, well, they say that you're John the Baptist, that you're Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And I think it's interesting to know that the people, the, those same people, they, many of them have, had seen Jesus perform miracle after miracle. In Matthew 15, it says that people brought the lame, the blind, the maimed, the mute, and many others to Jesus and put them at Jesus' feet. And then they were amazed because Jesus healed them. So he asked the disciples, who do these people say that I am? And even after witnessing these miracles performed by Jesus, they say that these people still don't know you. Are we missing something? So Jesus then says, well, perhaps the people out there, they don't, they don't know me. But I, I now want to ask you, you disciples, who do you say that I am? I mean, it's one thing for Jesus to ask about the folks outside, but it's another thing for him to now turn the lens on his disciples. Who do you say that I am? You know, you disciples, the ones who have followed after me, the ones who left family and home and businesses to follow after this fisher of men. My disciples, the ones who have walked with me, Jesus is saying, the ones who have talked with Jesus, these people who have seen Jesus work miracle after miracle, who slept in the same room as Jesus probably, who broke bread with Jesus and, and shared food and conversation and fellowship around the table, who've been with Jesus in public and private spaces. Jesus paused to ask those. He knew they were with him. He, he knew they were in conversation with him. He knew they prayed with him. So I wonder why did he have to pause and ask them if they knew him? I mean, could we, those of us who call ourselves followers of the living Christ, who have gone to church regularly, who maybe have sung in, in the choir, who have preached in pulpits, who have been confirmed and baptized, who have 
served in the church in the community, who've led ministries, who have, you know, been regular attendees, who have gone out and told others that they were Christian. Could we be missing something? Could we be doing all of these things that we think we are supposed to do? Reading the Bible, praying, participating in the liturgy. Could we be doing all of those things and yet miss God? Not see God? Not feel God's presence? Not, not understand God's voice? Not experience, receive, be open to God's love? Could we be missing God so much so that Jesus would feel the need to stop and ask us if we know who he really is? What would cause, cause Jesus to stop and ask his disciples that question? What would cause Jesus to ask us that question? Perhaps he felt a lack of real connection. Perhaps he sensed a distance. Perhaps he saw that they said one thing and did another. Perhaps he heard how they represented him when he wasn't in their company. Perhaps he saw what they did when he wasn't around. This very personal question points to a relational call from God. Relationship is essential to Jesus, to God, to what we call our Christian faith. We serve a relationship-oriented God who wants us to know him intimately, who wants us to connect with God in ways that are not only proclamation, but also personal intimacy. We know that because the first two commandments are all about relationship. We shall love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our minds. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like unto it, that we shall love our neighbors as ourselves. Those first two commandments are all about relationship. In more banter between Jesus and the Pharisees, we hear Jesus prioritizing relationship over law, over rules, over ritual. Unlike the Pharisees who find comfort in those laws and rules and rituals, Jesus is honed in on relationship. If we can get our relationship with God right and with each other right, then perhaps all these other things, he says the laws, the commandments, the prophets all hinge on them, but so do all of our understandings about how we walk with God in, in love, with power for impact, how all of those connect only through relationship. Our love of God being vertical, our love of our neighbors being horizontal. We are to love the Lord our God with all of our being. And we must not allow circumstance, work, the doings of being what we call Christian, what we believe to be Christian. We must not allow even those to get in the way of knowing and sensing and seeing and hearing the very voice and presence 
of our God. Imagine if when the question was asked, who do people say that I am? The, que the answer to that question, imagine if that were correct. Imagine if in the public spaces, people heard and knew of a God that loved them, that offered grace and mercy and justice. What would the conversation be about the church today, about Christianity today? How much more bold would you be to proclaim that you are a follower of Jesus Christ? Now, I know the religious tradition that I'm in. I know that it is not common to walk around in spaces and talk about Jesus as the Messiah, the Savior, the one who came and died that we might have life. But I want to ask you, do you know who he is? Or are we missing something in an attempt to study our way to heaven, to read our way into heaven? to lean into the loving God with all of our mind? Do we forsake loving God with all of our hearts? Are we missing something? It is at the moment when Peter responds, and thank God Peter said something to break the tension in the air. For Peter responds by telling him, but you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus even says, Peter, that's even too good for you to know. And he says, it didn't come from you, but, but that, that was given to you by God and the power of God. But nonetheless, Peter, whatever was in him opened up for God to move through him, for him to give an answer for us all to cling to. Yes, that is the answer. Because if we don't understand that response, if we ourselves can't embody and realize the centering of God and of Christ in our heart, we are missing something. Our Christian work becomes like clanging cymbals rather than evidence of God's love for us and our love for one another. This gospel text today is a God calling us back to God. For what's so powerful is once Jesus affirms the identity of Christ, Christ affirms the identity of Peter. Perhaps in all of our figurings out of who we are, what it is God is calling us to do, we must first begin by affirming who God is to us. These are the moments of testimony. These are the moments where we say, you know, to me, God has been a healer, Jehovah Rapha. To me, God has been a supplier, Jehovah Jireh. To me, God has been a peace giver in the midst of chaos and, and pain, Jehovah Shalom. Who has Jesus been in your life? What is your personal experiential relationship with who God is? This living God, not this past God. What wells are you digging? Or are you still drinking from wells dug by your grandmother and your aunts and your grandfathers? Who do you say 
that he is. For it is in there that our identity, our power to call forth things on earth as they are in heaven, it is in there that we find the answer. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live this life missing something. I don't want to miss God. What a travesty it would be to say that we have toiled, we've gotten up early in the mornings on Sundays, we've brought our children, our, our grandchildren to church, we taught them the Lord's Prayer and the 23rd Psalm. We were, we were religious indeed, and yet we missed God. If you were like me, and if you would just think about that question. Like me, I, I pray a prayer that, Lord, please don't let me miss you. If that is you, could you in this moment, very briefly as we close, won't you stand with me that I might pray with you? It is, if it is your desire not to miss God today for tomorrow, won't you stand? I know this is unusual. You don't usually stand in the middle of a sermon. But I just, in this moment, I just want to ask you if, if you would turn, close your eyes and turn your mind and your heart to the Lord with me. Are we missing something, God? For when you come and ask us that question, help us to respond in a way that is true to who you are. And all of our hard work and our hard study and all of our service, oh God, please don't let us miss you. For you are a living, present, faithful God. And may by the witnesses you've given us through those whom have encountered you throughout the ages, inspire us to seek you the more so that our response to the question of are we missing you is no, for we truly know and experience and sense you, O oh God, your voice and your move. May it be so in this place, O oh God, that me, we may be your witnesses and ambassadors on this earth. And it is in your name, O oh God, that we pray and give thanks. And together we all said, Amen.